Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season three, episode 22, The Child is Father to the Man. Mary, what happened this week? Dylan is having nightmares and some super dark thoughts in the aftermath of Jack's fiery death personified by another Dylan in a baseball hat and sweatpants. Reporters are all over his lawn and also a creepy guy on a car phone. Jim shows up to talk to Dylan. He says Brenda insisted that Dylan stay with the Walshes for a while since reporters won't stop harassing him at home. Brandon talks to Dylan in the backyard about the backyard. Brenda tries to comfort Dylan, but he's not doing well at all, the poor sweet baby. Dylan gets up in the middle of the night. He deals with the urge to get drunk and then gets drunk. On the day of the funeral, Dylan tries to put on a tie and tries not to cry at the same time. Poor baby is not doing good. Dylan gets sad about Brenda having taken all his photos down in her room. Dylan tells Brenda she'll always be a big part of his life and she helps him with his tie. Jim asks Dylan if he wants to say anything at the service. He decides not to. A sketchy dude talks to Dylan after the funeral and lets him know to expect a phone call from some other presumably sketchy people. Also, the glasses bomb guy was totally there too. Brandon and Steve try to get Dylan to go play basketball outside. He says no, but then shoots a basket anyway and almost cheers up. Kelly tries to talk to Dylan, but he's angry and lashing out and wants alcohol. David talks to Dylan about when he lost Scott, and that somehow gets Dylan's mean inner thoughts to shut the fuck up for a minute. Dylan takes the phone call from Uncle Frank, and Kelly tells, oh my god, and Kelly tries to apologize for being bad at being supportive. Brandon and Dylan find a way to sneak out of the reception past the reporters, and Dylan borrows Brandon's car to go see, presumably, the mob people. Um, earlier in the episode, David complains to Steve about problems he wouldn't have if Steve was still his manager. Kelly is sad because Dylan is with the Walshes, and he's sad, and meatloaf is for dinner, and she doesn't want to eat it. Kelly also doesn't want to get ready for the funeral because she doesn't feel good, and David is leaving directly after the service to record music because he's too afraid to tell Serge he has to go to a funeral. Donna tries to talk sense into both of them, but nobody's really listening until they eventually do. Dylan goes to meet the sketchy people, and it turns out they're cops, and he <laughs> follows them to a really sketchy place just because a guy showed him a badge, which doesn't sound like a good idea. And Christine is there, and she's also a government person. Dylan yells at them, and they admit that they fucked up and got Jack killed. Christine tells Dylan she really did love his father, and now both of them have to figure out a way to move on without him. Dylan confronts his inner thoughts, resolves to get through this crisis without drinking. He tells some reporters that he loved and will really miss his dad. He eats ice cream with Brenda and then calls Kelly just to hear her voice, and that's sweet. Then he comforts his inner child while mourning the loss of his dad. Oh my god. That last scene made me cry. Well, yeah. I feel like you wouldn't, if you didn't cry, you don't have a soul. (laughs) (laughs) That's the litmus test. Honestly. Like, are you a psychopath? Can you handle Luke Perry and baby Luke Perry crying? I mean, I couldn't handle Luke Perry crying at all. Or even just, like, trying, like, blubbering a little bit or, like, trying to hold back tears. Like, I couldn't handle that. That was so – kudos to Luke Perry. He just – he crushed it. Oh, my God. No, when he was in the bathroom trying to tie his tie and just, like, in the mirror, I was like, you – 
You don't have to wear the tie. I know. Just take it off. It's fine. No, Luke Perry crushed it on this episode. He was so good. Very good. Like, such a natural, easy, like, seamless role, like, that he played. And he just, I don't know. I can't say enough good things about him because he really made me feel the sadness. He convinced me, like... I, th- I truly thought, like, this happened to him, not just Dylan. Yeah, I mean, like, I think everyone really showed up in this episode. Like, Brian Austin Green did really well, too. You know, I mean, everybody else always shows up. I feel like those two were the ones that asked to do the most. Like, definitely Dylan and then David and then, like, everybody else. Yeah. But, like, like some of the writing was a little weird, but other than that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the only weird, like, truly weird parts for me, like, was the very first scene, just because there was, like, that weird sound reverb, and it was, like, just recreating the scene, which, like, I didn't want to see again. I mean, I know why they did it. They wanted to remind you what happened and just give you, like, a short little recap. It was just kind of a weird situation, but clearly the purpose wasn't for it to be a nightmare for Dylan, because the second he wakes up, you know, he's got a hallucination of himself in a baseball hat telling him that they're going to be dreaming about this for the rest of his life. So it definitely served a purpose. It was just a little weird. Yeah. No, I even wrote like, this was a very like previously on, like just in case you didn't understand why we're doing this, we're going to show you all of this stuff. But like, yeah, the black and white and the reverb, like the echo was a little weird. Um, but, I mean, it still hurt a lot that, like, they just show them hugging and then him screaming and then, like, and then right into the aftermath of it. Yep. Uh, but my first note on the episode, because I did research, uh, I looked up the child is the father of the man mm-hmm. because that felt like like a thing, like a saying, right? So it's from a poem by Williams Wor- William Wordsworth, and according to, like, idioms.com, it means that the personality traits that one displays as an adult form in childhood. Hmm. So oh, baby Dylan yeah. is adult Dylan's dad. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I also looked something up that it seemed like the original script, the other Dylan, was supposed to have been 13 the whole time. But that Luke Perry wanted to read the lines. So that's why they had Luke Perry talking to Luke Perry the whole time. And then at the very end when he yells at it is when his other self turns back into his 13-year-old self. That's really interesting. Yeah. And personally, I love that choice. Like, I love that decision to, like, stay adult. Because I don't, I don't know that it would have landed as, as well with a 13-year-old trying to pressure, like, uh I guess, like, lucid Dylan into drinking, right? I mean, I think it would depend on the backstory that's been established for Dylan. If Dylan was an alcoholic or, like, had started drinking at 13, mm-hmm. I think that would work. Um, I don't remember that personally myself. And the other thing is I think Luke Perry read the lines very well, and I'm not entirely convinced that they would have been able to find a good, you know, day player actor to come in and do it. So I'm fine with it. But like when I saw those two things together, I was like, I think it kind of would have made more sense to have a 13 year old being like, 
just go to Baja, just, you know, take a drink, whatever, to explain the title of the personality traits from when you're a kid, define who you are as an adult. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, to make it connect more with mm-hmm. what they were going for, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they kind of implied that Dylan did start drinking at 13, like when he has that one last conversation in the car with himself and then turns into a 13-year-old. But I really kind of like what they did there because a lot of times just psychologically, you treat yourself as you see yourself now. Like what, like even when you're like remembering stuff, you're just like, God, you were such a fucking idiot. But would you really tell like your seven-year-old self or like your 13-year-old self, God, you were such a fucking idiot? Like you'd probably be nice to them if they weren't you. True. So I just thought that was like a little interesting spin. Yeah. No, I really enjoy the way that they like ended up doing it in the final episode that they had him, you know, playing himself on both sides of it. And then he yells at him and is like, I'm not going to do this. Like when I was 13, then he's back in his 13 year old self. And then like, you know, even if it was just for practicality that they had the 13 year old self crying at the end of it for Dylan to go comfort him. Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely shows like, just like Mary said, like you see yourself as you are now. And you don't really like, I don't know, like nothing was working, right? Like he was talking back or looking back at, I guess, like same age Dylan, but fake Dylan the whole time, but nothing was landing until he admitted like he doesn't want to go backward, right? Like he doesn't want to be like things were. He doesn't want to just go to Baja or just take a drink or do whatever. He wants to like move past this, move on, be a better person than he used to be. And it didn't land until he he was, like, saying all that. And then, yeah, it was like, okay, this whole time you're saying that to your former self um, mm. to finally get him to, like, shut up and, like, feel the pain. Because I think even at that one point during the – it was, like, the middle of the episode where um, the hallucination Dylan was like, well, you could, you know, you could, like, go through all this or you could feel no pain. Mm-hmm. And he was obviously referring to, like, drinking being that, like, take away all the pain thing. But still, it's like, yeah, if you if you face me, if you look at me and you hang with me, this current self, Dylan, but, like, the bad choices, then you'll be, quote-unquote, fine because you'll be, like, drinking away the pain. But if you actually go through it, then you'll be better than that. Yeah, I mean, I I referred to him as other Dylan the whole time, kind of seeing him as, like, not necessarily a past self, but as like, uh, I don't even know the psychological term I want for it. Like his subconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like his inner voice. Yeah. Like, because I saw him literally as him, like I didn't make any connections of like the hat and all this stuff until they put it in the small kid's body. And I was like, oh, that's like little baby Dylan. Dylan doesn't wear Beverly Hills hats now (laughs) right yeah I thought they were just trying to make them different than very obviously different yeah until Mm -hmm. they made him into like his 13 year old self yeah I also saw a note that originally I guess Jessica Klein and Steve Wasserman lobbied for Brenda and Dylan to reunite in this episode and Charles Rosen agreed but due to Doherty being frequently late to set, Rosen st- decided against it, which is why Dylan and Kelly continued to be a couple. Oh, like, wow. 
Could you even imagine if Dylan and Kelly lasted like two episodes and then his dad dies and he goes back to Brenda? Oof. It would crush Kelly. Oh, yeah. Oh. And I don't think I'd be happy with it. Like, I don't think I would want Dylan and Brenda back together after they spent so much time cheating on each other and then he cheats on her and leaves her for her best friend. Like, I guess he didn't really leave her for her best friend. She broke up with him and then demanded he make a decision. But, like, I don't think I'd want them back together. Yeah, I mean, I do have a note once he does get to the Walsh house and Brenda's talking to him. I mean, Brenda has always been that kind of, like, voice of reason, um, shoulder to cry on, like, doesn't judge him for any of his, like, you know, previous mess-ups or whatever. And honestly, they just have such great chemistry. For a moment, I was like, I miss this. I miss this relationship because Luke Perry and Shannon Doherty just, it's just, it jumps off the screen, like their chemistry to me. And so for a half a second, I was like, yeah, 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 go for it, go for it. Because they were, you know, especially the tie scene, like the tie scene crushed me because you got a powerhouse like Shannon Doherty and a powerhouse like Luke Perry just crushing the episode or at least crushing that scene. And then their chemistry together, I was like, okay, yeah, wait, don't do it. <laughs> you know, I yeah. think had to convince myself, like, this is a bad idea. Don't do that. Don't, don't like be that trope or whatever. Uh, just like when the grieving happens, you kind of regress in all sense of the word. Um, but I just had to comment on their chemistry because it, I, they were just such a good couple. Yeah. That was such a bittersweet moment. Like yeah. of him just being like, like, you're not just some girl I knew in high school. Like, I oh, my God. Like, that's cute shit. I, I wrote it. Dilda forever in my notes. <laughs> I I wrote a lot in my notes about them, but, like, I don't want to talk about it until we get to them because I feel like every single note that I wrote has to do with, like, those scenes. Mm-hmm. Because I do feel like there was a lot of the same, like, you know, black versus white, Kelly versus Brenda, like, look at the, you know, two polar opposites of what you've got going on here. Yeah. Like, I feel like they were doing that a lot again. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I guess y'all want to go scene by scene? Yeah, I mean, because we kind of just talked about, like, the, the montage in black and white, like, basically the previously on. Dylan wakes up, then sees other Dylan and talks about having a nightmare. Then we just immediately go to the Peach Pit. Um, where it's David and Steve and David's trying to talk to Steve about like complaining basically that he has to be in two places at once. Um, one being the recording studio. And it wasn't like crazy clear that the other place was Jack's funeral, but Mm -hmm. you put two and two together because then like apparently his death is all over the news and the peach pit has it on the television and everybody is just staring at the television. So. Yeah. Which like I, I understand why they put reporters everywhere to like make it more interesting for Dylan to have to sneak out of the house and you know that's that's how you get him to the Walshes in the first place like that's a more believable reason to get him to the Walshes um but I also don't know that Jack would warrant that much news coverage I mean he defrauded you know however many people and then got out of prison early even though he failed his 
failed his parole hearings. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you got an F, sir. <laughs> but I mean, like, I guess it's something. It just, it didn't seem that important. Yeah, I mean, we knew he was, like, written up in the newspaper beforehand, like, when he got sent to prison and when he got out of prison. And we know he just did a lot of bad stuff. But, yeah, I almost wonder, like, how important was this guy? Like, how famous is Dylan? I I didn't write it down, but I almost did. Like, the fact that there's so many reporters and so much press around it all, I was like, hold on. Is Dylan actually, like, you know, heir to a famous person at this point? Yeah, I... I didn't think that far, but I did think that, you know, next episode, if all of this is over and no media circus is around to care about the McKays, that's going to be just as believable. True. Of like, okay, he's literally dead and buried. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like yesterday's he's not, news. Yeah. He's not literally buried. He's on the shelf. Yeah. He's cremated. Um, But yeah, I mean – because, yeah, they see on TV that all these reporters are standing outside Dylan's house and, like, basically just won't leave the front lawn. And Andrea and Steve are both just like, uh, have you called him? No. Have you? Which I guess I get why Andrea wouldn't immediately call him because they're not that close. But I feel like Steve should have called him. Yeah. I mean, the boys, right? Like, the like your boy's going to be there for you. And, I mean – at the same time, I'm still putting myself in this, like, like high school student realm where it's, like, I don't know that I would know what to say. I mean, to to this day, I still don't really know what to say when, like, I'm just, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, let me know if I can do anything for you. But it, half the time it feels empty, right? And especially with this situation where um, Dylan's relationship was so tumultuous with Jack and you never really knew where he stood with him, um, you know, just because half the time he was in prison and, like, whatever. But so I can understand it at least from, like, the high school perspective. But if you're really that close, like, yeah, Steve probably should have reached – I mean, Brandon, I don't know if he had already, but they didn't really mention it. But, like, he probably definitely should have reached out. Andrea, David, probably not. Like, that's okay if they didn't, probably. Yeah, and that, like – I have to assume that anybody that wasn't in that conversation reached out at some point. Yeah. Like, I think you kind of infer that David didn't just because of the way they talk later where he's like, Dylan wouldn't even realize if I wasn't there. And I think that was more just to be like, oh, when's the funeral? Tomorrow in a few hours. That's what David's supposed to be at. Right. But I mean, it's fine. It was fine. Whatever. Yeah. Because then we cut back to Dylan's house and he's on the phone with Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Looking for his mom. It's the consulate. <laughs> it's not that there's a consulate in Hawaii. Well, I just, yeah, I, w- I was really curious. I was like, who is he calling? I guess she was on a retreat or something. But like, I would also, I don't know. <laughs> it was weird too because like he kept saying like, Iris. McKay, McKay, M-C-K-A-Y. Like, you know, I'm like, bro, they're American. (laughs) Well, and like, if they're having trouble understanding her name, she's probably not there. Yeah, that too. But like, I don't know. The idea that he can't get a hold of his mom 
does not surprise me in any way, shape, or form because he's never been able to get a hold of either of them when it actually matters. Totally. Yeah. And I was – oh, I was so sad. And then, like, I went through, like, a roller coaster of emotions because you see, like, Jim fighting through all the reporters to come get to him. And I'm like, oh, it's his dad. I mean, not his dad, but his dad. And then I was like, and then Kelly's been with him. So it's not like he's been alone. But then as soon as Jim is like, you should come back and stay with us. Brenda said, like, I should come get you. And then Dylan's just like, okay. I was like, ouch. Oof. I know. It was a flood of like, bam, 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 bam. Like in all different directions. (laughs) And like. Like, I totally understand why Kelly spends so much of this episode being like, I don't know what to do. I don't think I'm enough for him because, yeah, he pretty immediately leaves to go be with the Walshes when, like, he was with Kelly. And I feel like, you know, if Kelly mentioned it to Jackie, Jackie would have been like, well, he can totally come here. Oh, yeah, for sure. They I just, mean. That just didn't fit. No. And and I think kind of like you were saying earlier about the differences, again, like between Kelly and Brenda and Dylan's relationship with both of them. I mean, this just shows you, like, even though Dylan may have known um, Kelly since, like, kindergarten or whatever, first grade, whatever they keep saying, Brenda really knows him. And the Walsh family has the history with him that you don't get just because, like, you know who someone is for, you know, every year in grade school. You, You know it by spending the time with them, getting to know him on a personal basis. I mean... Like, hell, Jim has fought with him. Like, you don't fight with people you don't care about, right? Like, hatred is still a form of caring about somebody. Or, you know, whatever it was that was going on between Jim and Brenda and Dylan. But I think at this point, it was like, yeah, it was so weird to see Jim. Because I feel like even though he probably was the best person to comfort Dylan, or at least go get him from a father figure perspective, I mean... I didn't feel like he was the perfect person, but then when he was like, Brenda said that I should come get you, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes more sense, that it would come from Brenda. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, the only other Walsh that could come get him, because they never let Cindy do these things, she sends other people or, like, writes a letter, um, would be Brandon, and Brandon's at work. Right. Can't go see his friends and save them from their depression. Because he's got to work. Oh, yeah. He's got to get the money so he can keep gambling. So then he can lose the money and then keep working. And then, you know. <laughs> I am so fascinated by the gambling storyline. Like, the fact that they managed to fit it in every single time. And I'm just like, Brandon, your best friend is staying in your house. And his dad just blew up. Maybe don't gamble on three games this weekend? Yeah. Like, one, okay. Three, maybe too much. Yeah. Goodness Day of the funeral? Maybe not. Yeah, maybe like chill for a sec. Just like Please. don't put down 500 bucks. <laughs> I know. It's it's so fascinating. Yeah. Like, uh, well, it doesn't really come up in this whole episode, but. Yeah. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah, because my notes were like, I wish it wouldn't be so awkward for all three of them to be at the Walsh house, being Dylan, Brenda, and Kelly. Because I think, like, I think Dylan needs more than just Kelly. Like, I think he, not to say that Kelly is not enough, but I think he needs, uh, like, a family. I think he needs 
more than just like one person sitting with him. Because again, if, you know, Kelly had brought him back to her house with Jackie and David and all that, like, I think that would have been very like a similar comfort to him. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it too is to your point, he needs a village, right? He needs like more than just one person like it was with Kelly or he needs more. He even needs more than just if Iris like were to have picked up the phone and then come all the way to Beverly Hills. Like, uh, like he needs more people and it only made sense for it to be the Walshes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like the conversation with Iris should truly have just been like, hey, I just wanted to let you know dad exploded. Yeah. Bye-bye. Like, yeah. I don't think she would have actually provided any comfort to him. And I'm frankly not convinced that if he got her on the phone, she would actually come. Well, that and I guarantee you she would have only asked about the trust fund, which we did not get an update about. Or like she would have been weird about it. Like in the last episode when she just like didn't really talk to Kelly and then didn't really spend a lot of time with Dylan unless they were fighting and then went and comforted Brenda. Yeah, she just like hella judged Kelly and then went to Brenda. It's like story of Kelly's life, man. It's the same thing of like one person shows up and she spends five seconds with Kelly. And I mean, she spent maybe five minutes with Brenda before, Mm -hmm. but she was just like, well, this one's not Brenda. Like it is very much always comparing the two of them. And it's so unfair to Kelly. It really is. And, And I truly hate it because like, they don't do that to each other. They really don't. It. This show really <laughs> likes to pit the two of them against each other. And I'm like, but they're supposed to be best friends. What's funny is like the show pits them together. But for some reason, it's like Shannon and Jenny or Brenda and Kelly keep being like, nah, man, we cool. Like you can't pit us <laughs> against each other. Like we love each other. <laughs> We're such good actors. Yeah. We can be mad and happy at the same time. You can write the mean stuff, but I'm just going to, like, give her a look, and then she's going to know that it's all fine and give me a look. Yeah, it's like that whole, like, I'll always love you, but I don't have to like you right now. It's like they've got the love part down, even when they fight. Speaking of, so I I rewatched the last scene, um, the breakup scene, basically, when Kelly and Dylan tell Brenda about the summer, because... The original song that was supposed to be on that scene was Don't Dream It's Over, which is a great song. And But hearing it on <laughs> that scene compared to what we've just been like watching via Hulu or the DVDs or whatever was just so weird to hear an actual song because later in this episode, we hear an actual song. And again, I felt weird about it. I was like, wait, this isn't the Beverly Hills theme just in a slower piano mode or like in a sped up kind of like rap mode or whatever (laughs) and it was weird but it was really good and it actually added so much more to the scene which kind of bums me out because I wish we had more of the original music no it really did I kind of wish that like because it is on Hulu and it is on CBS and it is like streaming to all these places I kind of really wish that they could do something about it I wonder how difficult it would be to like get somebody in there to remaster it with like other songs that would evoke the same feeling. Right. Right. It's probably impossible. Like these are wishes that I don't think will ever come true. I know. It's sad. Yeah. And like that, that's so upsetting because I know I was listening to the scrubs podcast for a while and 
for them, since that show came out like 10 or 15 years after 90210 did, they still had the same issues with streaming rights, but they released the DVDs so soon after the show aired that if you have the original DVDs, you have the original music. And I have the original DVDs. Interesting. Yeah. So if you watch it, I think Scrubs is on Hulu or Amazon or something. But if you watch it there, you don't get the music. But if I watch on my DVDs, I get the music. That's so weird. It it really makes a difference. Yeah. No, it definitely does. I mean, especially for shows where that's such an important element. Like I know um, for One Tree Hill, which I haven't watched it on streaming in a while, but like I know music was actually like part of the show. It wasn't just oh, we play these random songs, like, you know, to get a certain, like, emotion out of the audience. It's, like, built into the framework of the actual show. Like, there's a storyline where um, one of the main characters, like, ends up wanting to be, like, a record producer. And so she, like, starts an all-ages, like, club in high school. And she gets, like, actual acts there. She gets Fallout Boy there. Like, don't ask me how. And and it's not realistic. But she gets, like, Fallout Boy. She gets Jack's Mannequin. She gets Jimmy Eat World. Like, it was awesome. Especially, like, because the show came out in 03, so that was peak, like, pop punk. Um, anywho, but it really sucks for, like, shows like that where the music just is so important to the scene, whether it's built into the framework of the actual plot or it's just on on top of it. Because, it like, it totally works. Like, the music really works, especially if done right. Like, I still, like, and this is for movies, but... Anytime I hear any song that's from Remember the Titans, I'm there. I'm in the scene. I see what's happening. If it's the score, I'm crying because the score is so beautifully written, especially for the last freaking scene when they win. Like, it, I don't know. I can nerd out on music all day long because <laughs> I just can, but it's just so important. So, yeah, all that to say is I also wish we had it <laughs> for this. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> This is now, totally unrelated, but I made a soundtrack for my fan fiction. Oh! Yeah, there's a whole playlist. It's linked in the notes. Oh, man. All right. Or actually, I think it's the chapter title on the first chapter. So when you read my story tomorrow, you can have a soundtrack, too. Hell yeah. I'm so pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you also want to read Mary's story, we can link it in the show notes. We'll put we that there. can. Um, I don't have a good segue to go back to 90210 um, because the next scene is them leaving Dylan's house and that guy on the car phone being like, what, you want me to kidnap him? Yes. Which it was so weird. Like, I know they were trying to do some sort of misdirect, but I was like, what is even happening? Well, yeah, because like. It's just some random dude in a car. Like, I didn't. Did you guys recognize him? Because I didn't recognize him at all. No, yeah, because, like, we'll get there, but, like, it's revealed who he is, and I was like, hold on, I don't remember your face at all. Do you just not have a memorable face, or, like, were we supposed to remember you, or we're just taking your word for it? Whatever, but, yeah, I was like, wait, they're gonna kidnap him? Like, there's better ways to say we're gonna tell him what's up. Like, and, and yeah, you're right, they're trying to misdirect you and, like, lead you along this path that they're something they're not, but... I was like kidnapping, not baby yeah. Dylan. No, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. And then, yeah, immediately after that, they go 
to the Welsh house and Dylan's in the backyard and then Dylan's in Brandon's room and they're setting up hotel cot that they have. I don't know. I like I didn't really write down a lot of what was happening other than that Brenda mentioned Aunt Sheila who died of breast cancer. Oh yeah. I like <laughs> So I knew as soon as it happened that you were gonna mention it. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't even write it down because I was like, Aunt Sheila, Ariel loves to bring up things from previous episodes. She'll mention it. I don't need to write it down. <laughs> well, because Brenda only knows one person that died, even though in another episode she said she didn't know anybody that died. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so, so you just like the incontinuity. <laughs> well, yeah, so she mentioned Aunt Sheila who died, and I was like, that better be the only aunt we know that died. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, I looked it up. Um, but, like, yeah, I didn't really write down any more of what they talked about because I just really liked – that Brenda and Dylan were talking, and then I thought it felt very Brendan and Dylan of them, like, talking and then immediately being like, oh, I can't believe you're going to say that to me, Brenda, or whatever Dylan says. And then Brandon was actually, like, kind of good and being like, I'm going to let you guys talk. Bye-bye. Yeah. I mean, before that, he was hitting Brenda up for ice cream. Like, Brandon had a great episode. <laughs> I know, because he was like, you know what would go right good right now? Like a double scoop. Yeah. He was like, like what do you think? Like butter pecan, Rocky Road, I don't know, orange sherbet. We could we still have time. Like I'm like, bro, you're being like peak a bro. bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved it. Like I actually wrote at some point, I was like, Brandon's being good guy Brandon. And then I was like, I mean this for reals. I'm not being a dick. <laughs> Yeah, we, I think we have to clarify, like, this is not sarcasm. No, I really like Brandon in this episode. Yeah, he was great. I mean, because you're right. He gives Brenda and Dylan space when they need it. He's there for Brenda, knowing full well that, like, this is going to be a lot for her, number one, because of how close they used to be, but number two, because he's no longer with her and he's with Kelly. Like, I don't know. He just, kudos to Brandon. He did what he needed to do and was a good brother and a good friend. Yeah, well, because that was – we'll get there when we get there. I'm not going to yeah. talk about, like, <laughs> 40 minutes into the episode right now. Because, um, yeah, then we go to the Taylor house. Yep. And Donna is there, and it's dinner time. And I love that David comes in and is like, Donna, will you stay for dinner? I know. It was so cute. It was so little, like, high school. Right. And, like, total, like, throwaway line, but it was perfect. <laughs> well, because it, it was a good little, like, throwaway but not throwaway because, you know, Donna's like, oh, it's for dinner, meatloaf and mashed potatoes. And then Kelly's like, ew, it's so fattening. But also, I don't like meatloaf, so I'm on Kelly's side. I grew like, up on meatloaf, so, like, I didn't love it, but, like, I ate it because my mom made it, so. I love meatloaf. <laughs> my dad makes really fucking good meatloaf. <laughs> And that's – I never had good meatloaf. Like, my mother doesn't listen to this, and I really <laughs> hope she hasn't figured it out since the last time I knew she didn't listen to this. But she would, you know, put the meat into the loaf and then microwave it. Ah. The whole thing till it was completely dead. <laughs> Not how. <laughs> till it, it was, was dead. <laughs> it was – my mother is terrified of food poisoning. There has never been a time – that food has come like off a grill or out of the oven or anything at home that she hasn't then nuked it for another 30 seconds. Wow. 
and then covered it in ketchup. Interesting. Yeah. If you ever wanted to know where my like love of condiments has come from because my mother overcooks meat. Interesting. Well, I guess I get it because like meatloaf is fatty and if not done right, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's so bad. I hated it. (laughs) I always hated it. Yeah. But it's just with this scenario, it's just disturbing that Kelly's finding another way to skip a meal or like have it but not like push it around or like not eat very much of it or whatever. Um, But no one's noticing. I don't. mm. Yeah. Well, because that was the next thing I wrote is, you know, David makes a little comment of like, you're just not coming down to dinner because you don't want to eat the meatloaf. And I was like, you're right. And you don't know how right you are. Right. Right. You're there. You're there. You just don't see the intent. Yeah. Because like, this is the thing. He's seeing her miss this one meal. Dylan has seen her miss others. Donna has seen her skip lunch. Like, it it blows my mind. Because then the next morning, um, like, I'm just, I'm going to skip a little bit of Dylan just to get to this. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Kelly, the next morning is like, I don't want to go to the funeral because I have a stomach ache. I have cramps. And I was like, do you have cramps because you're nervous and you don't want to have to see the Walshes and you don't want to have to go to a funeral or is it because you haven't eaten in three days? Yeah, I would say yes. the latter. I mean, I mean, it's probably a combination, but like mostly because you don't have food in your belly. Yeah, well, and she if- has no blood sugar and yeah. she's sad. Right. Yeah, because that was my other thing is like if you haven't eaten and then you feel a ton of emotions and like get really nervous, that's even worse. Like I know – I get hangry personally and I just like, I have to be fed. Yeah. Well, see, and yeah, I'm the same way. I get hangry, but then past, like, there's like a sweet spot of like, I'm hungry, but I'm like still cool. And then there's like, I'm hangry, but then it's like, literally I get low blood sugar and I feel like I'm going to pass out and I need sugar now. But like from a, from the opposite side, like when Nate, when he gets anxious, if he doesn't have food in his system, like he can't eat. And then it just makes it worse because then he has no energy. And then if he tries to eat, then he gets nauseous and like all this kind of stuff. So it's definitely the combination. And I just really hate how nobody's noticed yet. I just, it scares me so much. And I really think like something's got to happen soon. If she's yeah. saying like, I, I can't do this. I have cramps. Like right. I, if I feel like something has to happen soon, but well, I have no idea. I really don't. Well, yeah, and it, it, it's getting to the point where now it like before it was just like, oh, I'm just watching my calories or whatever. And now it's like, OK, I'm having other symptoms, right? Like like they're telling us they're giving us more clues that are like giving like giving us an idea that this is affecting her like physical well-being. So something just like with Brandon's gambling, like something's got to come, you know, push has to come to shove at some point. Which, like, that's another thing that blows my mind is we have – we're on episode 22 out of, I think, 30 this season, and we still have to wrap up Brandon's gambling and Kelly's eating disorder and God knows what else. Plus, the Dylan thing isn't totally wrapped up because now he's, you know, alone again completely. Right. Like, I don't understand how they're going to have time for this because you know they're going to bring something else into this. Like, I don't know. Well, what about the legacy key? 
Like, I, yeah, know, I, was... I know we skipped over or, like, we finished it, but, like, Steve is still doing double detention. And that's my brain immediately went to Steve, but I was like, we already did that. So, I don't know. Andrea is Andrea is dating uh, Jordan. Maybe something happens there. I don't know. Well, like, what if, like, yeah, I, well, I know something. That I was going to say, you've seen this show before. <laughs> Yeah, there's like <laughs> we've made it very abundantly clear that my memory is not so good. <laughs> However, there are bits and pieces that I do remember, so I'll keep I'll keep quiet on this little project or prediction sidebar here. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like something else is going to happen. And then yeah, like in this episode we see like all this stuff with Dylan cuz so after Kelly skips dinner, we go back to the Walsh house and I think this is where Brandon is like, oh, the Pistons didn't even show up. Like, I lost money on this game. And then, like, basically while they're talking, Dylan falls asleep, which just tells me so much about how safe he feels at the Walsh house. I know. Ugh. But then he wakes up sometime later and goes downstairs, and that's when other Dylan gives him the bottle of liquor and is, yeah, like – you could feel feelings or you could just feel nothing. Exactly. Yep. yep. And that's when he just like tilts the thing back and starts chugging. Yeah. And like we've seen Dylan backslide before. I'd, I'd actually be a little upset if they just don't address it. But again, we only have eight episodes left. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's time to address it. And true. we've addressed it three times already. That's so true. I don't know. I'm a little conflicted there. Yeah, I mean, and I think, too, the last time we saw him backslide was, like, he got angry, like, immediately. Um, This time, he didn't really change, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like, I mean, he could have easily, like, masked it because of the grief and everything, but it just didn't feel – it almost made me question, like, did he actually drink the liquor or was it just, like, a figment of other Dylan? I wondered a little bit if it was a dream because the next time we see him is when he's tying his tie and he doesn't look hungover and like there's not really any like memory of it having happened. Right. Or no like mention or like you said, no hangover, no assumed symptoms or whatever. Also, Also, the bottle is still full the next day. Oh, I didn't even notice mm, that. Yeah. That would have been a good thing to look at. Yeah. There's the same amount in it the next time he almost drank. So maybe he mm. didn't drink the first time. Okay. I would honestly, I would love for that to have been a dream and him having to like, not even just in his waking hours, having to deal with this other Dylan being like, go to Baja, run away from this, don't deal with your problems. Like, he can't even escape it in his sleep. He's either, you know, dreaming about Jack blowing up. Or dreaming about drinking. Right. Oh, God. I know. That breaks my heart. Well, and then we get to the scene, which I'm telling you, like, I've seen some pretty good criers, like, in in actors. Like, there's some actors out there who I'm just like, you're so natural at this. Like, not because you don't ugly cry, but just because, like, the way that your face like conveys the emotion, not beyond just like the single tear or like whatever. But I had no idea Luke Perry was this good at crying or like almost crying or, I mean, cause it was, that's what I mean by it. Like when I said earlier, like it really felt like this happened to Luke. 
because of how well he played that and just the emotion and like the I'm I'm gonna lose it but I don't want to lose it and then Brenda walks in and he just like I can't my tie like you know like it, it just it was there and it just hit me right in the feels and if my husband hadn't walked in <laughs> right when it was like peak feels I would have just lost it and I, it was just so well done I just yeah I have no more words about it it was just so well done that's I, I can't even add to that yeah <laughs> it's so well done and then when Brenda walks in and we've already kind of touched on it when she's like oh you know in a couple of years I'll be, just be some girl you knew in high school and I was just like oh my god you guys stop right that's when I wrote Dilda forever <laughs> Yeah, I just wrote, Brenda isn't just a girl you knew in high school, and she knows it. Yeah, absolutely. She can feel insecure about it, but deep down, she knows it. Well, and I think everybody knows it, because the next scene is them at the funeral, and she's sitting next to Dylan, and Kelly comes in late, and she, like, immediately clocks that there's my boyfriend sitting next to Brenda. Yep. And, like... I mean, my comment was like, I don't know who the backs of all these heads belong to. Like, <laughs> they had to turn it around. I was like, okay, I see what's going on here because they all look so similar in the back. The only difference is Steve is blonde. Right, right. Yeah, because David, Brandon, and Dylan all kind of have that same. Yeah, it's like, like a little quaffed on the top. It's <laughs> yeah. like the same, you know, length in the, in the back. It's like, this means absolutely nothing to me. I'm so sorry, you guys. I know, I know. <laughs> But at the funeral, we do have a Christine sighting. So this is the first time we've seen her since the incident. And I even wrote in my notes, I was like, is this going to be the first and last time we see Christine after what happened? Because yeah. like, yeah, I mean, I, Kelly's talking about it with her. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I guess she has no reason to stay in Dylan's life. Yeah. I mean – that really sucks. I'm really sad about that because he liked her. Right, right. And and so did Kelly. And, like, it, that is kind of weird. Like, I've always thought about, like, what happens – I mean, I'm even thinking about in my family. Like, what happens if something if something happens to my dad? Like, where does that go with me and my stepmom, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because at that point, while she's been part of, like, my dad's side of the family for, gosh, now, I don't even know how long. It's been, like, um, who knows, 15, 16, 20 years? I don't know. Somewhere around there. But technically, she would no longer have a tie. I mean, I would like to think that's different than, in this case, Christine being around for, like, a few months and all of that. But, like, it does make me wonder sometimes about that, like, when you do have somebody that's not necessarily like originally part of the family and that kind of like quote unquote grew up with you or like was around you for so long. Like what happens? Cause you essentially don't have ties anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, that's the thing is, you know, she's not even, she's engaged to him, but it's not, she's not even married to him. They haven't been together a lot long. She really could just, you know, pick up and leave. But mm-hmm. I guess like that is the question. If you formed a relationship with these people and it's not like you broke up with, jack on bad terms right like you really did love him and were ready to be in his life i know i feel bad for christine because she didn't have it didn't seem like she had anyone there for her either yeah because that's the thing like if you think about it she would have kelly and dylan and dylan is struggling 
on his own with this and Kelly is struggling with something completely different. And it's like, it's hard for the three of them to mourn together. Like the family that they could have had. Right. Totally. No, it, it totally sucks. It really did. And then of course we have, I think right before the funeral, Jim walked, had walked in to basically ask Dylan if he wanted to say something about, basically give a eulogy about Jack and, he decides not to. I mean, he sees other Dylan at some point too. And he's like, what, what are you going to say? Like he was a good dad. Like he was a good husband, like basically being all sarcastic and being like, yeah, there's nothing you could say that would be true enough to be good or or be good enough to be true. Like, you know what I mean? Like he couldn't, Mm -hmm. there was nothing good to be said about Jack because the truth was just too hard to hear and not something you would say in a eulogy. Well, and especially when it's like an hour before you're supposed to say it and it is that hard. Yeah. Like maybe if he had gotten 24 hours of a heads up, he could have come up with something. Yeah. But yeah, this is – especially with this being Jack and the, the relationship that Jack and Dylan had basically up to the last like month. Yeah. That's not a conversation that you have that early, that quickly and be like, oh, yeah, I can go up and improv something. Totally. Yep. Like I totally get that. And then, I mean, Dylan's just having a rough day because right after that is when, like, Boatman corners him in the bathroom to be God. like, you're going to get a call soon and you better pick up and do what they say. Like, I was terrified for Dylan here. I really hated this. I was like, the misdirect is upsetting me. Like, yeah. they're really trying to make us feel like Dylan isn't safe. I know. And, I mean, I guess kudos to – the writers, the director, and the actor because they pulled it off. Like had this Yeah, I mean I believed it literally up into the moment that like he runs into Christine at the end of the episode. Totally. And like despite the weird car phone kidnapping scene, you know, before this, this scene was like, oh wait, is this guy part of the mob? Like, are we about to have a mob throwdown? Like what what is Dylan falling into that Jack left behind? Well, and then they have the other guy with the glasses walk behind him. Yeah, well, I, which I was trying to remember. Oh, I remember who he made me think of. And this is, I know it was, this was like a really intense scene and stuff, but do you guys remember in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the guy that like whispered in all the kids' ears when they found the golden ticket because oh. he was trying to convince the kids to like basically betray uh, Willy Wonka or whatever? And Charlie was the only one who did it, and that's why he won. The guy in the glasses reminded me of that guy because he also wore glasses and looked pretty similar. And, you know, whatever. (laughs) That's all. So I saw what I thought was a really funny tweet, uh, I think, yesterday, whenever, sometime. Who knows what time is. Um, But it was just – Jeremy, bear me. (laughs) But the tweet was like, every other kid's Wikipedia entry other than Charlie – and it says, early life, finding the golden ticket, death. <laughs> I mean, so true, though. Like, freaking Augustus Gloop got, like, sucked through a tube. It's I, like my actual nightmare, by the way. <laughs> Getting sucked through a tube? Yes. I mean, not wrong. Like, anytime I play video games where you have to swim underwater, which is happening a lot right now in The Last of Us Part Two, I'm just like, this is my nightmare. I don't even want to play, like video game having to swim underneath something and like not being able to come up for air oh no like Mm -hmm. um 
No, like, I was afraid of, like, tubey water slides at water parks for a long time because, like, what if you get stuck and the water just keeps flowing and then you drown? That's a good point. I've never thought about that. It just didn't occur to me that those things are way larger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you're, you're your size. You're not Augustus Gloop size. <laughs> I feel like all three of us could be, like, hugging and going down a water slide and still get through. Oh my god! How adorable! I don't trust it. You don't know it doesn't get thinner down the down the way. Honestly, honestly, oh boy. Anyway, yeah, the guy in the glasses—it's never was it ever. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but was it ever explained who the guy in the glasses was? Was he in the weird market? I swear, glasses guy is the one who put the bomb on the car. Well, that's thank God for Mary. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I mean, I kind of botched my synopsis because this episode was really fucking sad. (laughs) But yeah, I think I called him like glasses bomb guy or something. Oh, because so you literally said it and I was just like, I've never seen this man before in my life. Come on, Mary. (laughs) You got to do a better nickname. Not glasses guy bomber. We need chatty long fingers. It's the bifocal bomber. You can't make jokes in an episode about a funeral for a murder. (laughs) Yeah, Caitlin. No, I'm talking about for the villain. This is just a villain name. (laughs) I'll come up with something. He's got to come back, right? Like, don't ask me. I'll just never see him again. (laughs) Yeah, don't ask me. My memory is very unreliable. (laughs) I was going to say the FBI or whoever they are is going to show up in this episode and be like, we were working with your dad. Sorry he died. And then you will never see them again. Seriously. I still want to believe he's in witness protection. Oh, he totally is. That's why we're never going to see Christine again. She's going to go into witness protection with him. Oh, my God. That's why she's resigning. That's the real reason. So, spoiler alert, I didn't have a quote of the week this week because I just forgot about it. But I just remembered. I forget who it was. I think it was the um, the guy that we think was the kidnapper working for the mob, but we later find out is not. Um, Uncle Frank. Thank you. Uncle Frank, who said something about something, 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 a cowboy. Do you guys remember that? And all I could think of was our rendition of Jack being the cowboy. (laughs) Cowboy dad. Cowboy dad. So... Uh. It definitely makes a lot more sense that Uncle Frank is the guy, but I really thought Uncle Frank was Christine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That would have been so great. I feel really dumb right now. But how funny would that be is, okay, because one of the Walshes answered the phone, right? They were like, Dylan, your Uncle Frank is on the phone. Why does he sound like a woman? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not here to judge. But he sounds like a woman. <laughs> Uncle, what a weird name for a girl. <laughs> it's very oh Jake God. from State Farm. Very. Sure. What is she wearing, Uncle Frank? <laughs> Do they ask this all the time? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, beautiful marketing right there. Anywho, anywho, (laughs) Kelly is eating potato chips. Yeah. Okay. So she was eating like tortilla chips like it was her job. And she's like, these are salty, which, okay. Yep. Yeah. Everything's salty when you haven't (laughs) tasted anything in days, Kelly. Right. 
But also, like, she was walking around with a plate of sandwiches and not eating them. Man, she's, like, torturing herself. I mean, she's torturing herself regardless of the food, right? Like, she was just like, I'm so nervous. I don't know what to do here. Although, to cut back a little bit, I really enjoyed when Brenda walked up to Kelly and Christine and was like, oh, Christine, my parents want to make sure that you have our address. Kelly, you remember how to get there, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to come out and say you were invited, but, like – you are invited. Yep. Yep. Like, I'm still mad at you. Like, again, like, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Like, I'm telling you, they're trying to pull them apart and they just can't. They won't. They shan't. They shan't. But yeah, um, so Kelly's nervous. And then Dylan is invited to go play basketball. Little horse, little pig. And Dylan's like, nah, see, like, you guys go ahead. And then Steve's like, I'll see you out there, even though he just said no. But Later on, Dylan does go outside, and he shoots a hoop, and he has his cute little smile. I know, when he, like, almost has fun. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, David leaves to mm-hmm. go to uh, whatever that man's. Surge. Surge. Thank you. I, I don't know why. I cannot put that one to memory. I didn't remember it until Mary said it in her synopsis, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's at Surge's, and they're just sitting there, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be like another hour before we can get into the studio. And then they make him feel bad about wanting to go to Dylan's dad's funeral. Yeah, they're like, oh, do you have somewhere else to be? And he's like, "Um, yeah, my friend's dad died. And they're like, really? They're like, really? we had to call a lot of people to get you studio time, and you really should have given us a heads up. Yeah, which because I wrote he- down the quote. It was just sort of a last-minute death. I was like, oof. Yeah, for all you listeners out there, I just kind of closed my eyes and wished I hadn't heard it. <laughs> it's just God, David. Yeah. Like, come on. It was man. just so uncomfortable. And like, I already don't like David's record deal stuff happening because he was a dick to Steve. And then I don't like Surge because Surge is very clearly on drugs. Oh, and taking yeah. advantage of our little baby David. And then David is taking advantage of Donna being like, hey, do my stuff so I can do schoolwork. Did I say schoolwork? I meant not schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, with Serge being on drugs, is he the inspiration for the soda, Serge? Do you guys remember Serge? Serge is so good, and they make it again. That shit would oh, they kill do? you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, it's obviously not the same formula because I'm pretty sure the 90s version was like literally just syrup with a million caffeines in it. I mean, it was four loco minus the alcohol. Basically. <laughs> oh my gosh. I also saw another tweet today that was like, at least during the 1918 pandemic, they had cocaine in their soda. I saw that too. <laughs> it made me laugh a lot. Me too. <laughs> so doing cocaine about it. Yeah. Also, speaking of side note, <laughs> I saw a commercial on Hulu. I don't remember if it was during this episode or I was watching something else, but they had Jack Daniels, the alcohol, and then Coke in the same commercial, and then they put Jack and Coke together. I'm like, why did it take you this long to decide you were going to cross-promote? People have been <laughs> drinking Jack and Coke for how long and literally just saying Jack and Coke, and now you decide to advertise it? 
Yeah, oh, now you're not allowed to say it anymore because it's branded. Exactly. Like it's you're trademarked. Gonna, I, so I'm going to get fined for that. <laughs> it's a whiskey cola. <laughs> God. That would be something that Jack would say. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> give me a whiskey and cola. Except he'd like combine the words. He'd be like, give me a whiskola. <laughs> whiskola. Oh, my God. Boy. <laughs> I'm going to miss Jack. I know. I hope he's not dead. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, we could be in the finale of this show having never seen Jack after the last episode, and I'm still going to be sitting here being like, he's not dead. <laughs> I mean, no body, no proof. Like, I get it. Yeah. No, he's in, like, Dylan, Brazil. Yeah, Dylan even said, he's like, we don't even know if that's him in there. That could be the steering wheel or the upholstery. And I agree. Or <laughs> have, has he looked? Is there anything in there? Oh, true. Yeah, he just stroked it a couple times. He didn't undo the top. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I saw both of y'all's reaction and I was like, I couldn't have said that differently. <laughs> um, he... Nope, the next word that came to my mind was petted. <laughs> I was going to say rubbed. Oh. Yeah, he touched it. He, there's no good way. There's no good way. We can cut Brushed this. it gently with his fingertips. <laughs> That's why you're the writer, Mary. Yeah, yeah. See, this is the shit that would come out if I tried to write a fan fiction. <laughs> I, have to, I have to figure out how to say the same thing like 20 different ways so it doesn't sound repetitive. <laughs> I would do that too, but I would just look up like, you know, right click and the thesaurus or the synonyms (laughs) i do that all the time and then when i pick a word i like i'll double check the dictionary to make sure it means what i want it to mean (laughs) and then i'll use it where were we (laughs) um dylan rubbing oh yeah no sorry um i'll be normal um no we're at the part where other dylan is telling dylan that none of dylan's friends are dylan's friends oh is that Back on that's them. while they're out playing horse or you know yeah. whatever they're doing before they give the ball to Dylan he's just like do you think Steve actually likes you Andrea right. doesn't oh, that broke my heart and then yeah he he like sinks the basket and everybody is you know happy and he like almost smiles and then Kelly comes up and mentions the article that nobody told her not to mention right, so like right. I feel so bad that they did this to her I know. I mean, yeah, I guess I had to do it to somebody. And she was the and only And they weren't going to do it to Brenda. Sense. Exactly. Or Brandon, for that matter. And so it kind of made sense that it was going to be her. But it's still – that sucks. Because, I mean, even though he – you could tell he wasn't mad at her. He was just, like, lashing out. He was mad and she was the one that was there. Yeah. Exactly. But it still sucks. Yeah, well, because she spends this whole episode being like, I'm not enough for him. I don't know how to talk to him in this house. Everything is so weird, you know, like, especially after the experience that Brenda sent her dad to go get him and all of these things. And then basically the first time that she tries to talk to him after the funeral, he screams at her. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's just, this is where I wrote the note that I was like, they're still trying to do the thing of like Brenda versus Kelly. Yeah, and again, I think it's, like, they're trying to make it clear, kind of like I mentioned earlier, like, you might be Dylan's 
I mean, they haven't even really defined it. I mean, I, I would assume they're boyfriend and girlfriend at this point, but like you might be Dylan's girlfriend now, but it's going to take a long, long time to to really start competing with what Dylan and Brenda actually had. Mm-hmm. Cause they were like the loves of each other's lives at that point. So it's like, you're competing with first loves here. Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, two full seasons essentially mm-hmm. and like on and off and on and off and like all of these emotional things you know Brenda lost her virginity to him and like that was a big deal for both of them and like he lived with her family after he had his surfing accident and mm-hmm. her dad controlled his mom like they're not just a relationship they're in everything oh totally totally yeah and that's like, a lot to compete with yeah and I mean like you know, if Jack hadn't blown up, Kelly could have had an opportunity to be in everything with Dylan's family. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just not happening. And now nope. it's just so uncomfortable for her and it's not fair and it makes yeah. me mad. Yeah, it's a, it's a really shitty situation for Kelly because mm-hmm. um, there's just no good way to know what to do. Like if you're her, like, do you stay away? Do you you know like if you stay away you look like you don't care if you're too involved you look like you're being too pushy or smothering like there's just yeah there's no good place and she hasn't really been able to prove that she can be there for him um brenda has time and time again so dylan knows what he's getting with her and like all the walshes but yeah that's yeah it just sucks yeah and i mean it's kind of weird that they don't even give dylan and kelly this opportunity Mm-hmm. Like I feel like repeatedly they just don't give them this opportunity to be there for each other because I do think if Kelly was given the chance that she'd be good at being his girlfriend. Yeah. Like she would be good at comforting him. And instead they're just like, oh, you saw her there, but she's not the Walsh family. Yeah. I mean, think of like what a good friend she is to Brenda and to Donna and like with her advice and her kind of like unwavering support for whoever her friend is like she could definitely do that with Dylan but I think to your point about what you said that like Charles and and everybody was kind of like all on board for Dylan to get back with Brenda this episode they just couldn't once they decided to go the other way they probably just couldn't figure out a way to like fit in a scene that would like flow properly Mm -hmm. so which I get it sucks but I get it no I mean that's the thing is like this this is drama like this yeah. is a very well written episode it just like it makes me so sad that they're doing this to Kelly I know that's the best I can say is it just makes me sad I know my girl Kelly no but on the bright side you know when Dylan goes in the house and he's definitely about to drink um we actually get a really good scene between David and Dylan which we never see um and they actually are very like aware of that which I also loved like they're very much like the whole time like David's like trying to rationalize why he is trying to be in two places at once but he's like Dylan does Dylan and I like aren't close like I don't even think he thinks about me which is probably true like let's be real it's probably true and then David shows up and he was honestly the most perfect person to talk to Dylan from a real point like Brenda's great to be there emotionally and like 
sort of get it. She can be sympathetic, but David can be empathetic because he's been there. And I didn't even think about it until literally David said the words, like, I was in the room when Scott shot himself. And I was Mm. like, oh, my God, this is perfect. Who better to talk to him? I know. And, like, same thing. I didn't put it together. And then when they started talking, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Because, like – you know, I, I'm sure I could pick out other scenes if I actually, you know, thought about it. But Brian Austin Green's acting when Scott died was fantastic. And then, like, Luke Perry is acting now is fantastic. So you put, like, both of them thinking about those situations in a scene together. Like, you're just going to have a really, like, good emotional conversation. Yeah. Yeah, they delivered totally in the scene. And it was – a great way to connect these two characters in a way that like a made sense, but then B just, just kind of surprised the viewer a bit. Cause again, like, I mean, I've seen the show, my memory sucks, but like, I totally forgot that this would be a good way for, you know, Dylan to connect with somebody from a grief perspective and to just get through to him. Cause when, like we mentioned earlier, like when stuff like this happens, a lot of times your friends or your family, you just don't know what to say. And that's totally normal, totally human. It's just the truth. But sometimes it takes somebody going through a similar experience to at least be able to feel like you're not alone. And it it, it was perfectly directed too because they were to sh- they would show Dylan's face reacting to David, but then they would show other Dylan and how it hit with him because obviously other Dylan was like. We're going to hit Baja. We can be there in two hours or however long it was. You know, you want to drink, like, let's just escape from this. But then it wasn't until David started talking about his experience with Scott that you see other Dylan being like, yeah, we can't do this. Like, this isn't going to help anything. It was almost like other Dylan became more of normal Dylan or, or realistic Dylan or whatever, you know, we want to call it. And yeah, it was just really well directed, really well written, and then really well acted too. Yeah, no, I loved it. I and I, you know, to your point, I loved when he's talking, when David is talking to real Dylan, and other Dylan is responding to him and being like, "Get out of here! We're about to get drunk. Do you want to get in on this?" Like, yeah, the delivery and like the back and forth. Like, I think just that whole scene was just it was constructed and then executed perfectly. Yeah. No, I, I loved how much you saw, like, Dylan not saying anything and then other Dylan, his, like, subconscious just, like, yelling and being, like, I have all these things I want to get out and I want to say them. And then, like, you know, David essentially kind of talking him down. I think, too, like, just going back to the decision of Luke Perry to, like, be like, no, 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 I want to deliver these lines. Like, I want to be the one to do it. I think it could have been hokey. Like, it could have been kind of cheesy and it could have been – I don't know, not believable, but Luke Perry just crushed it. Like, I can't say enough good things about how he performed in this episode because just from all perspectives, from every point of grief, from that brief moment of happiness when he, like, shot the basketball, like, from top to bottom, like, he, man, like, I just, now I'm like, was he ever a consideration for an Emmy? Was this show ever, like, Emmy worthy? And now I want to, like, look back and see if it was because you just see scenes like that and you're like, I hope people saw that and like really felt it. Oh, but no, I mean, I totally agree with you. Like I, 
I agree. It could have been really cheesy and it could have been really hokey. And I definitely question that they would have been able to find a really good actor to come in and play young Dylan that, you know, especially would have done it better than Luke Perry did or even on par. Like basically after that, they kind of keep this like high drama going of like, okay, we just showed you these like really intense emotional scenes of Dylan. And then he goes into the other room and that's when uh, Uncle Frank calls and wants to talk to Dylan. And he just like immediately walks outside and is like, Brandon, I need you to drive your car around the block and then I'm going to take your car. Yeah. And like no questions asked. Like Brandon was being an absolutely good friend in this moment of just like, this is what you need. I'm going to do it. Also, like I kind of like laughed a little bit when – um, Brandon walks outside and he sees the reporters. He's just like, "What? It's just me." <laughs> and he just like, gets in his car and goes. Go away. I know. Like I kind of lol because I just thought that like Jason Priestley did perfect there. He's just like, "What? Get out of here!" Like it's just little old me. Like it's not the guy you want it to be. I don't know. I just like that a lot. No, I loved it, and like I don't think he, you know overacted anything or like you know gave too much emotion for stuff and I love that he was like oh I'll go with you and then as soon as Dylan said no he backed off yeah yeah he didn't try to press it he didn't try to be the savior he didn't try to like overcomplicate the issue he was just like all right like I got your back no matter what like whatever but you do what you got to do and then yeah yeah Yeah, which I will say it did make me nervous because I was like is Dylan about to go meet the mafia and he's not telling anyone where he's going? Yeah, for sure. But then he's not going to the mafia. He's going to like an outdoor market in a long duster jacket. <laughs> and then, yeah, like some guy is like, follow me and shows him a badge. And then he goes into that super sketchy ass building where Boatman and Christine are. Also, and, like, that guy with the badge was like seven feet tall. I don't know if y'all realize that because Luke Perry is not short. No, it was so weird and intimidating and like, no, I mean, we we pretty much covered what happens here <laughs> yeah. is where they're just like, your dad was good. And then Dylan was like, you got him murdered. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't matter how good he was because obviously shit fell through and y'all let it happen. Yeah, he's still dead. That doesn't do me any good to know that he was working with you. You didn't actually have his back. Yep. And who knows if that was because, like, because Christine is like, oh, I was going to resign because I fell in love with him. Maybe that love clouded her judgment when it came to identifying, like, the bad people or figuring out what was really happening or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there there are just still so many holes in this story. Yep. Like, basically what we have been presented is that, you know, he flipped and he was going to tell on all of these people and, you know, get the batter guys and the batter guys found out about it, put a bomb in his car and killed him and like case closed. But I don't yeah. believe case closed. Right. Right. No. He's in Rio. Christine is on her way. <laughs> Christine had to resign because of all of this. And now she's going to be in witness protection. So she's going to be there soon. And they always leave Dylan behind. Oh, God. Poor Dylan. Poor Dylan. Like, I 
I would honestly prefer this story where his dad is alive, but then it's the same thing of like, but you left him by himself and made him think you're dead. Yeah, you should understand, like, even from the short time that you spent with him after getting out of prison, that that is the last thing that you should do is leave him again. All he wants is family. Yep. That's it. He just wants people to care about him. That's it. Yeah. And because that's, like, he leaves that and he gets back into the car and other Dylan is, like, giving him grief again and... Like, this is when he starts yelling at himself and is like, I'm not 13 anymore. I'm not going to get drunk and I'm going to handle this like an adult and all this stuff. And then other him turns into a 13-year-old. And I just – like, I don't – I don't have a lot of words for these scenes because he did them so well. I don't think they need any more. Totally. I mean, we've talked about how he delivered and it was just one constant just like above the bar – total peak acting and 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 I do love actually that it took I mean I'm glad they went the direction that they did and like I'm glad that it finally took him yelling at him and almost like standing up for himself right like standing up for current Dylan like I'm yeah I have a sponsor I have friends I have a support system all this and I'm not going to go back and then you know we finally get back to the Walsh house and he comforts Um, that's the final scene is when he's like comforting 13 year old Dylan. Um, and I think that's beautiful too. And even before that, it was perfect because Brenda was eating ice cream and she gives him some ice cream and it was just a perfect culmination of everything the episode was and everything that Luke Perry did to make this happen. And then it ends with just like, we're in this together. Like we, neither of us have to be alone, like not 13 year old Dylan and not 18 year old Dylan. And, like, a little before that, too, like, after the ice cream and before, like, comforting himself, I do love that he calls Kelly and it's just like, I just wanted to hear your voice. Yeah. And, like, yeah, now they get to have a little relationship moment and, like, you know, it felt more to, like, comfort her. Well, no, it felt like it was comforting both of them. But, like, that was something we haven't gotten to see the whole episode, the two of them actually being, like – talking together and being you know having an intimate moment and it not feeling upsetting right like it was it wasn't Dylan taking his grief out on her it wasn't her not knowing how to act or what to say it was just hey at the end of the day we're still together and I just want to like confirm that and like confirm that we're good yeah like the idea that he was basically like I want to end my day with your voice yep which is also cute. And also why Dylan's always a good boyfriend. <laughs> well. Well, you know what I mean. Like, he, at the end of the day, <laughs> he, like, he cares about people. And he, even though sometimes he messes up, he usually does a really good job of showing, like, no matter what's going on in my head, no matter what shit happens, like, I still care about people. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that. So did you pre-grade the episode? I didn't, but, like, then and now, I would give it an A. Even possibly an A+. plus, Like, our first one, perhaps. <laughs> no, I definitely agree. I don't know if I'm ready for an A+, plus, but it definitely gets an A. Yeah. Yeah, it was just solid. It's from top just... to bottom. Kept my interest. The acting was just beautiful. The directing was great. 
Um, and honestly, like that's kind of that was something that surprised me too. Is like this might have been the first time that I really noticed the directing because I don't usually notice. Like usually, if like you direct a good episode, you you shouldn't be noticed because you've done a good job. But this was the first time where I was like, oh yeah, they made excellent choices here to like show the right things. What's next week? Do you know? <clears throat> I sure do. It is season three, episode twenty three, Duke's bad boy. Oh no. <laughs> it's Brandon. You know we can't go away from a Brandon centric episode for too too long. I just am curious like cuz I <laughs> I don't even have to caveat or like say it beforehand, but I don't remember what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I mean in this episode when he's watching the basketball games, he's like, "No, I lost this one." But, you know, I have two more games this weekend and, like, I'll probably come back even maybe a little on top. And then we don't see how those two games end. And so this is going to be a week later. So I'm just picturing, like, this is this is the start of it. This is – well, it's already started. This is, like, we've been, like, edging off the cliff and, like, now yeah. the roller coaster is just going to, like, dive down. And yeah. Brandon's yeah. going to get jumped by a gambling who knows, person. Yeah, I don't who know what they're called. Who? Yeah. That would be hilarious, and this doesn't happen, so I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and I, – I just thought of it. But, like, what if, like, somehow Serge was involved, and he was, like, the bookie or something, and it just comes full circle, and Steve's like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I can get us out of this. <laughs> That's in the contract that David signed when nobody was with him, is he is now the muscle, and he has to go beat up Brandon. <laughs> it becomes like a fight club. <laughs> oh, it would be the saddest little fight club. It really would. That's hilarious. Ugh. All right. Well, I mean, I think that's it for this episode, but I know we have some shout outs. We have so many shout outs, and <laughs> it's mostly because we have been so bad at getting back to people, but I promise we're going to get better starting now. Um, and we do really have some awesome, awesome shout outs. So wanted to make sure that was clear. All right. So the first one we've got from CC races, 1237. She, who boy, she gave us so <laughs> many nuggets. Like I'm talking behind the scenes, real fun facts, like just some really good stuff. So I'll just break them down. So back in the day, in the 90210 days, um, it turns out Jason Priestley and Christine Elise, who played one of our faves, Emily Valentine, they actually used to date in real life. So that's why, like, whenever we saw them, we just, like, felt the chemistry um, just jump off the screen. And I'm still holding out for a return of Emily Valentine. I feel like her story's not over. Um, and I love this because CC Race is 1237. She feels the exact same way <laughs> as we do about Brandon and his rage. Um, so... The fact that we have another person out there that at least feels the same way that we do gives us a lot of comfort. So we appreciate that for sure. And she totally called that we would absolutely fall head over heels for Jordan Bonner. I mean, we've literally called him the better Brandon. <laughs> so just have to shout that out. Like totally called us out. And um, it's true. We love him and we're not ashamed about it. She was so right. So right. Um, she's also visited tons of the sets, like in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills. Specifically, she mentioned Mulholland Drive, the Apple Pan, which is the actual location of the Peach Pit. She went to Randy's. So 
definitely like putting that away for next time I go out to LA if we ever get to freaking travel again <laughs> or if I ever feel comfortable enough to but definitely putting that on my list um yeah and she just had some really great things to say for us so we just we really really appreciate that so wanted to shout out CC races 1237 thank you so much for listening we hope you have continued to listen and stuck with us even though we've been remiss at giving you a well well certainly deserves shout out on the show so thank you yeah I really hope you're hearing this right now and are just like man I emailed them like a year ago (laughs) (laughs) so so sorry please keep emailing us (laughs) we're so bad at correspondence so bad um yeah so the next person that we wanted to shout out was Stacy SXP629. And it was like a very similar thing where she just like, she had so many fascinating little bits to say. Like, cause she said that she hasn't actually watched the full show before, but that she'll stick with it if we do. And like, now I feel like I have to. Like, yeah. I already want to. I already want to. But now I'm gonna do it for Stacy. Absolutely. I'm gonna put that like how Homer has it in The Simpsons, like do it for her. Mine's gonna be like do it for Stacy. <laughs> yes. Love it. Um, uh, and then like she had a bunch of like little personal things, like in her group of friends, she was the Brenda and she had a Donna and a Kelly, which like my heart. I love I it. I know. And I love that <laughs> love she's it. the I love that she's the Brenda. <laughs> And then she said she has an identical twin. So, of course, she's the Brenda. And then she had a psychic moment with her twin where she dreamt that she told her twin to cut her hair. And the next day, her twin told her that she had a shorter haircut. Which, like, mind blown. Like, are you serious? (laughs) I love it. Like, oh, I love that that identical twin psychic connection thing. Like, It's just just, unreal. I just want it. (laughs) And then, speaking of twins... In the episode, I think it was this most recent summer, y'all are going to have to correct me, um, where Steve goes out with the twin, like, and then Brandon had been talking to her sister, and then they, Steve wanted to swap them. I think we said that that was played by the same actress or something. Yeah, I said that. I was totally wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So they were definitely played by two separate actresses, and they're triplets. Yeah. <laughs> so one, uh, I think it was the three of them were in a Parent Trap movie, which yeah, I I now want to see. Not because I remember these twins at all, but because I love the Parent Trap. I mean, yeah. again, that's almost kind of a Lindsay Lohan reference, which I have also made several times in this show. Absolutely. But yeah, thank you, Stacy. We appreciate your emails. We love your thoughts and comments. So especially with those corrections, keep them coming. <laughs> we know we make a lot of mistakes on the show. Um, we hope we're, we're keeping them down to a minimum. But if we don't, just let us know because we want to keep you guys informed. And we also want to make sure that we're doing our best to uh, stay as current as we can 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and um, I believe we had an email from Kimberly um, who specifically talked about Destiny Rides Again, which was season three, episode 12, to let us know that Gabrielle Carteris, Andrea, had bunion surgery and wasn't going to be able to walk for a while, so that's why she got hit by a car. I don't know what this note means, Caitlin. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So basically, like, it was kind of a one-two punch with that. Like, basically... 
you know, Gabrielle had bunion surgery, so she already like needed to be like basically not walking. So they wrote in that storyline that she got hit by the car so she could be in a wheelchair, which is awesome. But apparently that storyline helped them with sweeps. And so for those of you who aren't sure what sweeps is, it's basically that magical, magical time in television when the ratings count the most. And when TV stations are the most competitive um, and they're basically trying to win out on the ratings. So for CBS or Fox, whichever station it was on at the time, they what they try to do in certain episodes is try to put in the most like gripping content, the most dramatic to get the most viewers so that they can get the highest ratings possible. So this was just like kind of a win-win. Like, sorry, Gabrielle Carteris had to have bunion surgery, but also thank you for the storyline. <laughs> I mean, that did have like a really satisfying payoff though with oh my gosh. with the race cars. Like that was yeah. fun. That was, that was a really fun, fun storyline and just her like remembering stars from her hypnotherapy like (laughs) that was just that was fun thank you writers for (laughs) making the best of a bunion-y situation (laughs) (laughs) all right um so Kimberly also told us that the legacy key was straight from Charles's high school experience so I want to know more about that that's like mind blown like that's amazing like, I want to know what a grade bank is, though, still. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, also, uh, Dylan's SAT story was also based on one of Charles's friends. So I guess writing what you know is a thing that people do, and it works <laughs> out for them. Um, she also sent us another email earlier this month about Back in the High Life Again, which was season three, episode 19. And apparently this happened the night they filmed the scene of Kelly and Dylan telling Brenda about what happened that summer. And there's a link. So I should click on that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can tell you what it is. Basically, okay. like, like the night. So I mentioned this earlier in, in this episode where the, it was a breakup scene. So when Kelly and Dylan told Brenda about what happened, like that they were cheating and all that stuff, that same night after they filmed, Shannon Doherty and another – like aspiring actress in the area got in like a cat fight at a bar or like a club or whatever and they both got like charged with a misdemeanor or whatever so I'm like did Shannon just have a really rough time filming this like did this hit personally but like kudos to Kimberly because she was just like by the way this might have been inspiration because this is what happened right after they filmed the scene later that night so that's amazing. Sorry, I clicked on this article and I just love that she was out with Brian Austin Green I and he know. stepped on someone's toes and they got in a fight over it. That's what started the whole fight. I can't lie. Like, I almost got into a fight one time because someone stepped on my brand new sneaker when I was out dancing. <laughs> I got so really mad because he did it on purpose. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, Kimberly also tells us that um, Jenny and Luke were apparently freezing when they were doing the outdoor scenes and pool scenes um, and all of the film crew were in heavy winter coats and that just makes me think of America's Next Top Model when Tyra Banks is like we shoot swimsuits in winter and so they had like a bunch of girls on the top of a building in bikinis in like fucking December. Yeah, because, like, you, if you guys remember, like, 
they looked like like I want to say like Jenny's like teeth were chattering at one point or like her lips were like a little blue when they were in that pool scene. It was like when Dylan was like, oh, they choose you, like blah blah blah. Maybe and, that's why her legs were all wrapped around him. She was just so cold. She was like, I need your body, right? Because if, like, all the crew was, like, right behind them, just, like, in their parkas and shit, I would have been like, fuck, we got to get this over with. We got to do this. Hurry up. Wrap on to me. <laughs> we have to be as good as possible for the next 30 seconds because I'm not getting in this pool again. Exactly. Yep. Anyway, so thank you, Kimberly, for those awesome facts. Um, we appreciate it. Keep sending them our way. We love that you're still listening along with us. So we hope you're doing so with our upcoming episodes. Um, and then last but not least, from Twitter, we did have at Kimmy Lizzie, who did give us some amazing fun facts about the fact that Jason Priestley and Brad Pitt were roommates before Jason Priestley got on 90210. And apparently, during his construction days, Luke Perry worked at that same school that they use for West Beverly. Um, and on Brian Austin Greed's podcast, which forgive me, I forget the name of it. But the cast that was on that show talked about how, like, Luke Perry would help paint and, like, point out different things to, like, help with at the school. And that just tells me that Luke Perry was just a gem of a human being and was just an all-around good guy. So, again, thank you guys. We love this behind-the-scenes stuff, so we hope you keep sending it our way. And we promise we won't take months, years, however long we've been doing this to get back to you. I know, because I actually also have a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts that is only like a week old. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're doing better already, guys. I told you we would. <laughs> yeah, so this one is from, I believe it's pronounced Faithary, um, F-A-I-T-H-E-R-R-Y, so I hope I got that right, and it says five stars. Enjoying the podcast so far. I've listened to you guys debating about Dylan and Brenda's sexual relationship. And she says, I assume she, I hope I got that right, that they had been sexually active during their relationship, but that the show couldn't show it because the network was so against it. I mean, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it too. I think like, you know, we have talked about this of like, well, they didn't show it and they made Brenda so against it and this and this and this. But like, I totally believe that they just kept it going because she enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, Because why, why wouldn't not? you? Like, if she – yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Thank you for that review, too. We really appreciate it and hope you keep listening. Yeah. Did you like these shout-outs? Would you like one for yourself? <laughs> Would you like more for yourself now that we finally caught up with the correspondence with everyone so far? You can send us an email at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And also make sure you can do so on Twitter and Instagram as well. If you want to give us a little tidbit, sh uh, shoot us a comment, whatever you want to do, um, you can do so at backtopodcast. And as we've just shown, if you leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, we will shout you out on the podcast. So, I mean, you know, five-star ratings, reviews, subscribe, share with your friends, all that stuff to get us out there. Yeah. And even if you want to give us more stuff, like, we will absolutely shout you out again. So, um, and even if you want us to do your, like, your full handle, whatever it is, we're happy about it. We want to share your fun facts. We don't want to take credit for it. We just want to be the microphone. So um, keep giving that 
our way and then we will make sure to include that in the show yeah and do you want me to read your fan fiction you can email it to me (laughs) oh my gosh everyone please share your fan fiction with each other I love it so much yeah I've always known that fan fiction has existed but I have not known how vast it is so if y'all have any thoughts or any stories that you've written in the fan fiction world boy do we want to read them (laughs) or ideas for content that you want because I I get bored I'll write it (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a writer and I have already claimed that I will write something but I'll claim I'll write more and I'm not a writer and I would never claim to be but I'll read it for sure (laughs) we are all readers (laughs) But if you've made it to the end of this episode, (laughs) we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you listening. um, And we'll make sure to keep it up next week. And we can't wait for you to give us your comments, your feedback, your ratings, all that good stuff. So from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. I'm Mary. Bye. Bye. See ya.